Hello, everybody. Welcome to All Things College and Career. I am your host, Meg Gary. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Bobby Ryan. We are so excited and honored today to have Jeff McAndrew, who is a director of sales. So anybody out there interested in pursuing an MBA or a career in business or sales, this is the podcast for you. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff gets right into how he got his MBA, how it was paid for by a company he worked for, and also how we transitioned from a startup to a bigger company. All really exciting stories coming from Jeff today. Absolutely. And a lot of great tips on how to find success in the business world. Jeff has so much great advice to share, and we're thrilled that he came on today. Absolutely. So enough of our introduction. Let's get on to the podcast. Let's get on to our conversation with Jeff. Hello, Jeff McAndrew. Welcome to All Things College and Career. Thanks so much for doing our podcast today. Hello, Meg. Bobby, thank you guys for having me. It's our pleasure, Jeff. Absolutely. <laughs> so where are we talking to you from today? Uh, I am based out of Kennebunkport, Maine. Mm, lucky guy. <laughs> Who doesn't love the port? KPT all day. Yeah, it's pretty much like vacation land there right now. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Absolutely. So, Jeff, as the Director of Sales at Generic Power Systems, could you please share with us and our listeners three things you love about your job? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing would be that I'm challenged every single day. I think I said to my boss a couple of weeks ago that if I wasn't challenged, I'd be looking for another opportunity. So <laughs> that is truly something that keeps you going. So absolutely being challenged every day. I do enjoy working for, for Generac as an organization, mostly just because they're a large, strong organization. Prior to my previous company being acquired by Generac, I was working for a startup. Hmm. And, uh, you know, with startups, there are a lot of challenges in terms of, you know, just financially, you know, things could change really quickly for a startup. If we were a startup going through COVID, that would have been a much different oh, experience. Uh, situation yeah. sure. than it is at a large, stable yeah, organization. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I would say um, just being in sales in general, you generally have a lot of flexibility. As mentioned, I'm working from Kennebunkport, but my office is in South Portland now. So when I'm not traveling, you know, I could work out of South Portland, I could work out of my home. But the flexibility is something that I've enjoyed in pretty much every sales role that I've that I've had. Right. Well, flexibility is huge, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Those are three really great reasons. So Jeff, we just want to kind of turn the clock back a bit and learn how it all began. What drew you into business and marketing and business basically? And how did that all begin for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, when I started undergrad at Penn State, I initially wanted to, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I did a criminal defense internship my senior year of high school. I sat on murder trials. It was really interesting, but also taught me that I do not want to be a lawyer. So when I started <laughs> college, I did take some some business administration classes and I was thinking maybe I could go into business law and you know being in a business major an undecided business major at Penn State you have an opportunity to experience different courses right so you would take right. accounting and finance and marketing and supply chain and you know general administrative classes for business uh, business management so on and so forth um, and I actually really liked all of them I think I would have actually been been happy as an accountant or something because I like the, I like the work and working with the numbers and whatnot, but um, 
it wasn't until probably my, my junior year, I decided that I was going to concentrate more so in marketing. And I ended up, uh, I was part of the Penn State Marketing Association. And I ended up taking on a project where actually, I was developing and selling business cards for students. So we had this idea where <laughs> wow. you know, even as college students, they should have business cards, because when they meet with someone who, you know, maybe it's a recruiter, maybe it's just, you know, meeting with somebody who has an interesting job and you're a junior or senior in college, like you should really have some way other than like, hey, connect with me on Facebook or something to, to meet right. with someone in a professional right. way. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn was, you know, for a junior and in, in senior in high school is like really just getting, or excuse me, in college was really just getting started. So right. we were thinking, all right, let's do business cards. So I actually ended up selling these business cards. Things went really well. And I think I was just highlighted as someone who was doing well in the Penn State Marketing Association and then ended up actually running a, a sales competition for the org. And <laughs> we, had a, we had a gentleman from Nestle who came in and gave a really, really inspirational speech throughout that sales competition that just talked about like what his life in sales brought to him. And there was the flexibility, there was the high earning potential. And all of this was coupled with our professors telling us, you know, the, the vast, ma- not vast majority, but a high majority of CEOs in this country have been in sales at some point in their career. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I think at some point everyone realizes that like we're all in sales, right? Everyone, right. even Meg and Bobby, both of you, when you're, you know, yeah. reaching out to people for the podcast, you're, you have to sell the podcast, right? right. You're, right. You're yeah. so, you have to solicit folks for, for their time. And, and really everyone is in sales. And my father was in sales. So there were just, there were all of these things that came together. And my senior year, I interviewed for, a number of opportunities, but in, in marketing, the majority of those opportunities were in sales. And I took a chance and went with one and uh, landed in Boston a couple weeks after graduating college and had a really good experience and, and never left. So it sounds like Penn State was a great place for you. And would you recommend that university? And what type of student does well there? Yeah, every day. Uh, and I think that Penn State has something for everyone. You know, I always tell people in when I was a student there, I used to uh, I used to wait tables at the Nittany Lion Inn, and we we had families coming in all the time who were taking their high school students and children to to Penn State so that they could see if this is where they wanted to go to school. And I always told them that you know you can make a big school feel small, but you can never make a small school feel big. Yeah. Um, and that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I think just appeals to everyone at Penn State. Like I just mentioned, there was the Penn State Marketing Association from a from a club perspective. There are hundreds and hundreds of clubs and groups and ways of meeting people at Penn State. And it's just, you know, it's a phenomenal school. They have a a curriculum that pretty much meets anything that you would want to do. It's a well-funded institution. And honestly, you know, there there are reports that talk about different universities and colleges that basically set up the most seniors with jobs. Like what percentage of students graduate with with a career opportunity? And Penn State's always right up there towards the top of the list. So whether you want to study, I mean, yeah, whether you want to study medicine or engineering or, or business, it's it's a great school. That's awesome. And Jeff, I love what you mentioned about the fact that you tried so many things out with the mm. undecided business and also that you took the opportunity to actually try a sales and marketing with the business card. So I think that's a great tip to young people starting out in the business world to try things out to see if it's a good fit and to see if they can see themselves doing this sort of thing. Would you agree or... Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. So then at that point, Jeff, you graduated Penn State, and you didn't go directly into a master's program, correct? You started working first? 
Yeah, that's correct. So uh, if I back up just a little bit, about halfway through my senior year of college, I signed an offer letter with what was ADT Commercial Security at the time. It then became Tyco Integrated Security. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be with Tyco for, I think it was at least six months or a year before they would help pay for some of my graduate work. That's a really great deal. Only six months is not bad to get, to start getting that assistance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Mm. I, I needed to be there for either six months or a year before I could start my graduate work. And it was something that I knew I was interested in. I took the GMAT uh, within, I think, a week and a half of graduating college. So I knew knew when I was graduating from Penn State that I wanted to go into business school to get my master's at some point in time. And I do think also just in terms of recommendations, it's a good idea. Um, Yeah. Take it while because you're, you're fresh already out of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, and and realistically, the GMAT is very much just like other um, master's level standardized testing. Like, it's very much based on things that you learned like a decade or two ago. Yeah, but right. um, you know, like I needed to relearn aspects of trigonometry and such. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, haven't but, done that for but, years. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and it showed no. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so, but coming right out of college, you were already kind of in the study mode, right? Like you're already, right. you've already learned at that point in time how to like pick up what is the most important thing to, to learn when you're reading a book and um, you know how to study material and there are all sorts of books and classes and whatnot on how to do well in the GMAT. Yeah. So I do recommend if you think you're going to be interested, you know, absolutely. I would take it shortly after, after graduating, just because you're already sort of in the swing of, That's of, of another- studying. That's a great tip. That really is. And how do you know how long it's good for by any chance? (laughs) I believe your scores are good for five years, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so look that up. And that that, could have also changed. But that buys you a little time. And that is a really good time to take it when you're in that mode. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine restudying for the GMAT now after after being in the business world. Because so much of it, I mean, it's a standardized test. So so much of it is um, not necessarily based on real world applications, but is more based on like how many degrees are in, you know, this triangle or, or that trapezoid. So right, um, right. Yeah, definitely, definitely recommend that. Yeah. So, so I decided a little ways into my career at Tyco that I was going to apply for graduate programs and I applied for Northeastern. I was accepted. I applied for Northeastern, I think in, in like October or November and decided that I was going to, was going to go in January. So I made a pretty quick decision there And it was a three-year evening program. Yeah, it was a three-year evening program. And they assume that you're going to take a couple like summer semesters off or something, but uh, managed to work straight through that in about two and a half years in the evenings. And um, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I'm sure you guys have have heard and probably said that a master's is the new, you know, like bachelor's new degree. New bachelor's, and, right. Yeah. yeah and college is the new high school. So, yeah. Sad. That is quite sad, but honestly yeah. true in a lot of ways. And you were smart to do it the way you did. You got a little bit of work experience under your belt, and then you get some assistance to help pay for it, which of course is key. So, <laughs> yeah, another great yeah, tip. Definitely. And Jeff, mm-hmm. could you just tell us a bit? You mentioned starting at Tyco, which was another name initially, but did ADT? Um, ADT did you get that mm-hmm. position through Penn State as well, or um, actually, yeah? So Penn State has has career fairs throughout the course of the year. They actually, even for like sophomores and juniors, they have internship programs where, like online, you have this whole listing of companies that are hiring for internships or careers and um, and entry level positions, so on and so forth, and. You know, as a senior, you're you're just kind of like clicking through, like apply, 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 
right, right, right. And, I just um, need a job. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so the company, you know, Penn State has, and especially the Smeal College of Business just has an incredible amount of, of alumni. You got to imagine, I mean, at any point in time, there's like 40,000 or 40,000 plus undergraduate students at the university. So it has a huge, one of the largest alumni networks in the world and their career services teams work really, really well to stay connected with alumni and leverage the alumni to find internship and job placement for their undergraduates. So, you know, they yeah. have these whole like, you know, the SMIL career network where basically you can, you know, sign in, send in your resume, a cover letter, click apply to a position that like they brought to their students. And wow. uh, that's how I, yeah. And they have really large organizations in there, a huge, huge companies. So yeah, that was that was definitely helpful. I would say that the the Tyco opportunity was definitely, you know, without Penn State, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Without that opportunity, I, I wouldn't have the opportunities I have now. So yeah, right. yeah, it's amazing. So were you keying on Boston, or did it just happen land you there? You know, I had a brother who was living in Boston at the time, and mm-hmm. I loved the city. So yeah, right. I was definitely hoping to be in Boston. I had a, a separate offer in Long Island, which was also attractive, but I ended up going with Boston. Yeah. 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 And then how did you decide on Northeastern? I mean, it's a great school, so that's obvious, but what made you <laughs> pick that school? Yeah, yeah Northeastern's a good school. Uh, it was a mile and a half down the road from where I was living at the time. I was in oh, Jamaica wow. Plain. And yeah, yeah so I had a, a really easy like 10 minute bike ride to, to classes, you know, Perfect. two to four times a week. And it was just honestly, it was convenient location wise. You know, it's not it's not Harvard or or MIT. So I didn't need, um, you know, I didn't need a perfect score to, to be admitted. And it was an on-site program. I didn't really want to do uh, online for the MBA. I really wanted to be in person. And it was just honestly convenient location. Um, they accepted me. Right. And, um, <laughs> perfect and they had, and, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had really, I mean, they had really, I mean, just good classes and good professors. And um, So you yeah. obviously yeah, would recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that both Penn State and Northeastern where I attended, I, I totally recommend to anyone. Yeah, I do want to just say that Northeastern isn't a shoe in for those listening. It's still a yeah, pretty right. tough admit. Yeah. So keep just that in mind. Modest. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so what could you tell us about the MBA International Business Program at Northeastern? Just a few things that you could tell us about that. Yeah. So my MBA at Northeastern was fairly general, but I actually really focused on supply chain and marketing. There was a time when I was studying at Northeastern where I was actually considering you know, switching career actually out of sales to to supply chain just to try something different, which obviously I didn't end up taking that route. But the program was great. You do end up taking a lot of, uh, not a lot of, but a few classes that, that I had taken three, four years prior in college, because when you come into an MBA program, they want you to go through you know, the accounting 101, the finance 101, international finance, you know, micro and macroeconomics, in some cases, statistics. Well, not all MBA candidates have had a business background. Some Absolutely. Some are coming from engineering, right. some are coming from, right, you know, right. whatever. And one thing that I'll say for Northeastern as well is that they actually comped me six credits. I don't remember exactly which classes. It might have been international oh, nice. finance and, and nice. statistics just from my undergraduate work. So instead of needing 60 credits for the MBA, I think I needed just 54. But the program was was great. So I was on campus for pretty much four hours of coursework a week, at yeah. least, for in-class 
I believe I was in class for four hours a week. And then I was on campus for projects and group meetings, uh, various other times throughout the week. But again, that was convenient just based on on where I lived. And the, the coursework was really, really project driven. So a lot of teamwork. One of the things I liked about Northeastern was the MBA program, I mean, there were there were people of, you know, it was really diverse. Yeah, um, I bet all It was ages. a diverse program. Yeah. yeah, and just being in the city, you're going to have that diversity. So it was great. diverse yeah. from an ethnic perspective, from, from an age perspective. There were folks who were just starting their career. There were folks who were in the middle of their career. And there were folks who were, who were later in their career who were probably studying, you know, entrepreneurship, looking to launch their dream business. Uh, so you get a real mix of students and learned a lot probably from each other that way. Yeah, definitely. And I'll say that's one thing about an MBA is like the coursework is great. The case studies are good. But a lot of the learning comes from, I mean, working in teams with people who are, you know, working for different organizations. And I've got to imagine there were a lot of people in my class who ended up getting different jobs just because of people that they knew within the classroom. I mean, it's a tremendous networking networking opportunity. Yeah, it's great for networking. So yeah, that's great. Hey, we're just going to break in here for a minute. Meg has an announcement to make. Thank you, Bobby. I just wanted to take a quick moment here to share some information about the services that I offer through academic and career advising. I help people to become certified career services providers, earning their CCSP credential, global career development facilitators, earning their GCDF credential, and certified career counselors, earning their CCC credential. To earn any of these certifications, you must first take the FCD training course that the NCDA offers, and I am one of their nationally trained instructors. I would love to be your FCD instructor and help you to become certified. To register for my course, just visit my website, Academic and Career Advising Services, or email me at meg at academicandcareeradvisingservices.com. I will put both of those links in the show notes. You can register for the 11-week entirely online FCD course right on my website. You can also learn about start and end dates and pricing. In addition, I also offer career coaching and academic advising. My services are personalized and affordable. For more information about pricing and services, please visit my website, Academic and Career Advising Services. You can book an appointment right on my website. Now, back to the podcast. Jeff, can you tell us the story about, so currently you're the director of sales at Generac, but initially you were the startup. So can you tell us about that whole transition and the story behind that? Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, definitely. So I had moved to Maine in October of 2016 following my wedding. And I told my my boss at Tyco that, you know, I was planning to transition out of the city of Boston and to move to Maine. And I wanted to see if there was any way that they could create a position for me in Maine so that I didn't have to commute like three to four days a week into the city. Mm-hmm. And and they did. They created a position for me, uh, which I'll forever be grateful for. Um, it was amazing. a good opportunity. It gave me some leadership experience. Yeah, it, it really Says was. a lot about how much they liked you as well, Jeff. I would. Say. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were they were awfully generous to do it. But mm. you know, I it, it came to a point where I just honestly I wasn't overly passionate about what I was doing day to day. So I started. Uh, I just started looking a little bit and I was on LinkedIn one day, just kind of scrolling through LinkedIn, my connections and, and opportunities would pop up. And I saw something for Pika Energy as a, as a director of strategic accounts. And I didn't know what Pika Energy was when I saw the name. It could have been mm-hmm. a, an oil company. It could have been, you know, air conditioning company. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I clicked into it. And the more that I read, the more I liked. So Pika Energy is, you know, just as 
the startup's mission was to accelerate the transition from fossil fuels to clean renewable energy. And they developed a solar plus storage platform that was very, very early stage. I mean, before I'd started, they hadn't even launched their real home battery. And it was kind of a good time in my life to, to take a chance where, you know, my wife and I at the time didn't have children yet, and we were in a, a comfortable position financially, and there was upside. So anytime you join a startup, um, advice, you know, make sure that you are being offered options um, yes. as part of that startup, because right. you need to be rewarded for, you know, startups are a lot of work, and they require everyone to wear multiple hats. Right, and, and a lot of risk. <laughs> and and there's a ton of risk, right? right? So so you want a share um, of the company for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So when the company does succeed and they, as we say, exit, uh, which is basically you know either going public or being acquired, you know you want to share in in those winnings. But uh, yeah. So probably um, a month and a half at most after finding the company on LinkedIn, I interviewed. I loved the people there. Um, really forward looking, really smart. I loved being in in a facility where I just honestly, I just I felt like everybody there knew so much more than me, and I still do today, which is part of what makes it so fun. It's just I'm constantly learning. Wow. Um, and That's awesome. and so my yeah my my role at Pika was really to launch this this solar plus storage platform. I was the first full time sales employee, and wow. I spent a lot of time traveling to Hawaii and California, which sounds luxurious, but when you're doing it two to three <laughs> times a, a month with yeah with red eyes and rushing home yeah. to see your family, it, the it loses it's its, um, yeah. it loses the allure. Yeah, it was pretty exhausting, but um, after. But After you must have made about, fabulous connections and learned a ton right off the bat. Oh, absolutely. Because now yeah, you're, yeah, heading totally. in, you're heading up sales, so you're the guy. Yeah, so it was great for that. And, you know, we definitely met really great people in other I'm parts sure. of the country. I mean, I always tell I tell my wife, like, hey, if you, if you ever want to go to Hawaii, I can probably think of 10 places to stay uh, just because the people are so welcoming and I developed such good relationships there. So <laughs> right, that's right. one great they, thing they, about like, sales as well. Come anytime, as, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, so after actually just under two years of growing Pika from pretty much, you know, almost nothing to to multi-million dollars, uh, we were acquired in March of 2019, or excuse me, April of 2019 uh, by Generac, which is a a great organization based out of uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, and they're known for home standby generators. They own the home standby generator market. So we have one. Power goes down. (laughs) Yep. Power goes down. Generator kicks on. Your house is powered. Yeah. You know, eight out of eight out of ten homeowners who have backup power have a Generac. So really, really uh, strong financially organization. And was really, int- I mean, the best part of it is that they were just really interested in in investing in this new renewable clean energy division. So now we are, we've got all the, the brains of Pika Energy, but with the fuel of, you know, a $2.2 billion organization with a really strong balance sheet. And they're very serious about us really taking on the solar industry and, and bringing energy storage to more and more homeowners. So kudos to Generac for going in that direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That must have been a happy day for Pika when they made that sale. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, nice exit, yeah, Pika. <laughs> yeah, nice job, yeah. Pika. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll... Uh, I'll always remember I was in, of course, I was traveling in, I was in Sacramento when uh, 
when they made the official announcement. But I think we, uh, you know, a lot of us had, you know, the sense that something was going on behind the executive right. curtain there. You can but always we tell. We were all very, <laughs> the very excited. And you know what? You know, the other thing about being with a startup that's being acquired that I'll just say for the listeners' benefit is like there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty and ambiguity when when you're acquired, right? I mean, right, right after the acquisition, I'll tell right. you, I was. Immediately when we were acquired, it was like, great, where am I going to fit into the new organization? Right. Generac yeah. has a huge sales team, right? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. Generac didn't, you know, at the time right. we were like, Generac didn't buy us for our sales team, they bought us for our technology. Exactly. So, you know, I should start I should start looking for my next opportunity. And I, I hung on and took the time to, you know, really meet with some of the people who are at the organization. We had a really big trade show called SPI, where I got to meet with the chief marketing officer, our CEO my boss now, who's the VP of sales. And, you know, it all ended up working out very well for me. And honestly, in terms of, of acquisitions, most all of most of the employees from Pika Energy stayed through the transition. I mean, Generac didn't come in and clean house. They, you know, they valued every single employee. Everybody had a place on the team if they wanted to be on the team. And they said, everybody's got to take it onto the bus. And, you know, we're going, so let's go. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it was a whole new industry for them to pick up. So you guys had all the knowledge and the talent. I guess the question is, what advice would you give people if you want to try to hold on to that position? Did you do anything special? Did you try to sit down and say, look, this is what I can do for you guys? Or was it just kind of organic and it just fell into place? Yeah, you know, honestly, I feel like I had a lot of people, uh, I had a lot of people behind me that I had been working with that knew like or, or valued end. the work that I'd done. Uh, yeah, so from the customer end, for sure. I mean, people mm -hmm. were coming up to our booth at that trade show and giving me hugs and, you know, right. and introducing people right. to VP of sales mm -hmm. and chief marketing officer and the CEO and, right. you know, this like guy's just, got tight relationships. Eh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they saw the uh, how deeply rooted my relationships were with the customers, but also just internally, I know that even the other folks on the sales team and marketing team at Generac were behind me. And absolutely, we're, we're saying, hey, this is, I think this is the, the person who you'd want to put in the director position to cover, you know, the eastern half of the US. So it wasn't all, it wasn't just the customer relationships that helped, but also I had just, you know, in very strong internal relationships. And when push came to shove, I mean, there were other people who could have pushed to be in the position that I'm in, but they didn't. They said that I was the right person for that position. Um, that's awesome. And there were people who were above me and, and below me who said that. So um, that, that really helped. That's another great tip yeah. for people that are in that situation. So Jeff, could you just tell us, like, what would you say are the advantages and drawbacks of being in sales? Uh, I would say advantages are that, you know, in, in most cases, the harder you work, the harder or the better you're rewarded. So with sales, mm -hmm. there is a high, high risk, high reward relationship where generally, if you're working really hard, you know, you have a good opportunity to make money. Um, right. Sales has been, it, sales is just generally a lucrative, it's a lucrative opportunity if you're with the right company and, and you're rewarded for your efforts. Whereas, you know, I could imagine if I if I did take that transition into, you know, into like a, an accounting position, for example, I mean, you can work, you know, all day and night, but at the end of the month, end of the quarter, you're getting a bonus based on how well the sales team performed. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and the sales team is getting a significantly, you know, larger bonus based on how they perform. So um, I would say, you know, just honestly, the, the best benefits of it are, 
you know, with the right company, it can be really lucrative. It does offer you tremendous flexibility. It gives you almost all of your interactions or not all of, but a vast majority of your interactions are external to the company. So you're, who's got a stronger network than a salesperson in terms of, you know, if the company, you know, if your company ever went under or something, look at all these other companies that you've met along the way, at least that's that the case so for B2B true. sales, right? That's so right. true. You must have an incredible network. And that is true for job seekers. That becomes really important when you're out of a job. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say the you know the drawbacks, in my opinion, are that there are a lot of things that are not in your control. So as an example, so here here we are in mid June of 2020, and we just got out of like not out of we're we're still in it, but like 10 weeks of COVID or, or more, right? And yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. and sales took a hit from that, and that's going to impact you know my compensation from this quarter, right? Of so course, a total yeah. external factor, nothing I could have controlled, and that'll impact my compensation. Whereas almost all the folks who aren't in sales or, you know, their their compensation expectations were set from the beginning of the year. This is what you make. You know, you can annual bonus if X, Y, and Z happen. And then additionally, at least in our case, a sale is considered when product ships. So one example of something that could happen is that, you know, we were fortunate that this didn't happen to us, but COVID, I'm sure that it impacted a lot of our competitors' supply chains. And if their warehouses weren't receiving product in time and they weren't able to ship out product, they probably weren't recognizing sales. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, new entrants into the market that that are lower cost. There are definitely companies in the industry that said, oh, wow, Generax moving into the solar industry, like, watch out, they're, they're a big company with a big brand that, that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, and that's just another example of an external thing that, that went my way. But, you know, that could happen. Imagine what would happen if like a, a GE or something would move into, into solar and you get a company with a lot of buying power and bargaining power that moves into an industry. And, you know, things can change really quickly and, and you don't always have control over Uh, a lot of external factors. And and that can be tough. Right. But most sales positions come with some sort of base salary, right? That you can depend on? Not all of them. No, definitely not all of them. Uh, You'd be surprised how many positions there are that are still, um, you know, make your own hours, 100% commission. And there are, honest to God, there are positions where people make a lot of money in those roles. And honestly, sometimes you you can make more money in a position with a lower salary or no salary than you will in a position that has a high salary. It's just um, riskier, yeah. Ex- exactly. It's high, Again, it's higher risk, higher but reward. But maybe you're in the position to be able to do that. If you not have a house and a family and things like that, you could probably take that risk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, but I would say most corporate positions today are coming with a, a salary and compensation in the form of bonuses or commissions, as well as, you know, you could probably expect in a regional sales position to have auto allowances, travel allowances, so on and so forth. So where do you see the future of solar energy going? Do you feel like the business is booming and getting stronger and more companies are going that way, households, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. I think if they're if they're not, we're all in big trouble. Yeah, right. So um, yeah, I uh, yeah yeah absolutely. I think that you know, absent COVID, this year would have been the strongest for solar and energy storage is growing exponentially. Um, right. But I think energy storage, honestly, is the future of solar, I mean, right? More and more solar that's what systems. You have to have, right? Yeah. So more and more solar systems are going to be paired with energy storage, and homeowners are going to use that energy storage to to ride through grid outages, which are are becoming more frequent and lasting longer. Um, they're going to use the that stored energy to power their house when electricity rates are high. They're going to use it to power their house twenty four seven. Customers in you know Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont, Connecticut, they can actually 
charge their battery from the sun during the day and then sell that capacity to the utility in the evening during demand response events. Um, So there are all sorts of, yeah, there's a stacking value proposition for energy storage. It's only getting stronger. It's getting more cost friendly for the end user. So yeah, the industry is bound to grow. The only factors that will impact the industry really now are that the the federal government is stepping down the federal tax credit. So last year, it was 30% on your total solar investment and energy storage investment. 30% of that you could get back on a tax return next year. So if you spent $30,000 on a solar system last year for your house, conceivably you could get roughly $10,000 back. Now this year it's 26%, next year it's 22%, and then after that it it drops off to... Yeah, um, so to zero. So unless the there's time a change, is now. <laughs> yeah, the the time is now. But also, you know, unless that unless that changes, you know, the yeah, cost it, of, the next of solar is going to go up. Potentially, yeah. or who knows? So, do you live what you preach over there, Jeff, in your house in Kennebunkport? <laughs> I do. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I have a solar array on my home uh, with my company's equipment, and soon I will have a battery. Excellent. I also have. I do also have a Generac generator. So I'm really, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really yeah. living what I preach. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Jeff, if somebody wanted to store their solar, if they wanted battery storage, uh, should they call you or who should reach out to you? Installers or homeowners? Who should reach out if they need this sort of thing? Well, homeowners should just reach out to the general Generac line. We have an end user line. If they're a a solar contractor, they could absolutely uh, connect with me on LinkedIn and then I can connect them to the appropriate market development manager or work with them myself. But for homeowners, definitely 1-888-GENERAC. And for contractors, they should contact me directly. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, I think it's time for our rapid fire session. I do. What do you guys say? (laughs) all right let's do it (laughs) all right jeff what food could you never give up Mm. well that's a tough one i think there there are too many foods that i wouldn't be able to give up but probably (laughs) i know the feeling um, yeah maybe uh i would say it would be really hard to give up eggs it would be really difficult to give up bread it would be difficult to give up ice cream is probably the, (laughs) the crux yep Okay, lately I've been doing, I was telling Meg, lately I've been on this ice cream every night kick and I'm doing like oh, melting down dark chocolate chips with Baileys. Oh my God. It's a, uh, don't like- try it because you'll be addicted. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, it sounds great. All right. Do you have a pet peeve? Um, yeah, I would say opening the microwave prematurely without canceling the time left on it. There you go. <laughs> It's always these little things. That's yeah, what, I know, you know, right? it's always these little, just, yeah. Okay. What, if you have one, what is your hidden talent? <laughs> mm, hidden talent. Um, gosh, I, uh, yeah, probably Bobby, honestly, is parallel parking. I take great Ooh. pride in my parallel parking. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is, that's, that's a great you talent. Like, um, you don't need like <laughs> an automatic parker. You can do it on your own, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Some place you have visited that you love. Um, well, so many places come to mind. Uh, I do love Hawaii. I would say uh, a place that you wouldn't expect me to say is Boise, Idaho. No. Um, I've been there very briefly twice for work, but it was just such a pleasant experience. The people were amazing. The accommodations were nice. The airport was nice. Everything about it. I love that it. you said Boise because, you know, Hawaii, everybody loves Hawaii. And, you know, it's yeah, great. It's a unique Hawaii. answer. Yeah. Also, I would say Costa Rica. I oh, love yeah. Costa Rica. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. What is the most used app on your phone? Hmm. 
Probably the Weather Channel app, honestly. <laughs> you got to see when the surf's up, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My probably probably a good surfing app that tells me what the wind yeah. is doing and where the waves are. And then right. the Weather Channel app, it's just, you know, we're very much outdoors people. And whether we're running or riding our bikes or going to the ocean, we um, especially this time of year, you know, the weather's finally nice right. in Maine. And Right. We're excited to see 70 degree weather all week and we just got to check it every 10 minutes to make sure it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed because it will. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. And welcome so to me. True. Okay. Teenage celebrity crush. So when you were a teenager, who was your celebrity crush? Uh, Mila Kunis. <laughs> oh yeah. She's adorable. <laughs> I kind of like Ashton Kusher, so maybe we can, you know, oh, work okay, something great. up there. Yep. Yep. Okay, I don't even know uh, who you're talking about. That's terrible. <laughs> of course you don't, Meg. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. A movie you would recommend? A movie that I would recommend. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't, I just never watch television anymore. Um, mm. It can be one from years ago. Like, my favorite is Almost Famous or one of my favorites. And that's like, I don't know how old that is now. Probably Almost 10, Famous. 15. Oh, that's a yeah, good one. That's a good movie. <laughs> It could be um, a, it could be a book instead, or it could be just um, oh, a book. I could go with a book. A book would be good. I would okay. recommend Bar- uh, Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. All right, Barbarian. I haven't read that, and now I'm going to look into it. Okay, <laughs> um, or North or North by Scott and Jenny Jurek. Those are both great books. Yeah. Okay, uh, are they give us a quick. Are they what type of books are they? Uh, so Barbarian Days by William Finnegan is about. Uh, Bill Finnegan, he he grows up in Hawaii and he travels the world actually surfing back in uh, decades ago. So like 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, and just lives like a really, really interesting life. Uh, does such a wonderful job just describing the places he's in, what's happening around him. I mean, he was in South Africa during really interesting trying times. He was in, you know, with, with little money in places like Indonesia. And it's just, it's such an awesome, awesome book. And it's a really, it's a, it's a long book, but it's a quick read just because it's so engaging. And then North by Scott and Jenny Jurek is about uh, Scott Jurek's trek to break the Appalachian Trail record. Um, yeah, I am familiar with this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And his, and his, his wife, Jenny Jurek, crews him. So she drives every single day. She's driving to meet him at different, you know, different points and mile markers. And he's doing, you know, almost 50 miles a day for like 46 or so days. And it's just, it's really, really interesting. It's, it's, it's just fun. And you can really picture what's happening. And, you know, right. you, you share like in their books. successes and, yeah, and the, right. and the hard times throughout the book. Yeah, it's, it's and great. Jenny was honestly a real hero in that story, I think, just standing out there for hours oh waiting gosh. for him with no cell wow. phone or anything. It's, yeah. that's not, it does sound like a book I'd yeah. like to read. Yeah, but okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. If you could have a band play at your private party, Dave which Matthews one band. would you pick? Dave Matthews. <laughs> I didn't even get to finish the question. I love one. that. That's an easy yeah, one. Yeah, there you go. I'll come to that party. All right. Um, <laughs> something you think is underrated. Underrated, I would say probably making lists, maybe. Making yeah, lists. Good answer. Yeah, that is yeah. a good underrated. answer. Lists are really lists. important. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody gives lists enough credit. It's a, it's a good <laughs> habit to be in. Yeah, okay, that's last right. one. What is your guilty pleasure? 
Uh, well, we talked about ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and we know my new guilty um, pleasure with the Baileys and oh melted my chocolate on yeah, top. Yeah. Whatever. I love, um, yeah, I don't know. Because I've already said ice cream, I'll say like a really good hazy IPA on a yeah. hot summer day after, you know, being outside and, you know, on a uh, hike or surfing or running or biking or whatever it may be. Just like a, a an exhausted IPA, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, you're exhausted, not the IPA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's All right, it. Jeff, fantastic job. Uh, I loved your answers. You definitely great answers. And Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your amazing knowledge of what it takes to be in business and marketing and sales. I know any young person or anybody out there looking to go into this field is going to gain so much from all your wisdom and knowledge. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I just found your whole story so interesting, and I am glad we get to share that with our listeners. Thanks for coming on today. Totally. Thank you, guys. I look forward to talking to you soon. That was just such a fun conversation with Jeff. So informative, too. He's so smart and has so much great knowledge to share, but what a positive person. Any company would be lucky to have Jeff as their director of sales. No kidding. He has a ton of energy, a lot of good tips. His energy comes through. You just know he's killing it in sales and he would for any company you work for, but his current company is very lucky to have him, that's for sure. Absolutely. And thank you, Jeff, for coming on and sharing all of your great knowledge for any people out there pursuing business. Yep, absolutely. So while you're still listening, and we appreciate you listening for sure, could you do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast, rate, review, comment, anything like that would be a big help to us. Absolutely. And just as a reminder, subscribing is free in case anybody thinks it costs anything. So that's a big way to help us out. But thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, everybody. And this has been an Academic and Career Advising Services production. Thank you.